Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me on Twitter at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging in MMA. Head on over to abcboxing.com to read the criteria, even though we, uh, for this show, we're going to change it up a little bit. That's right. For this particular episode, we are not going to be talking about uh, live, you know, not live, but uh, the most recent big MMA of the weekend because there was no UFC, there was no Bellator, there was no PFL. There was um, no events with the unified rules. No events with the unified rules on the major scene. Of course, there were plenty of MMA fights going on in the country, in the United States and abroad that were using forms of it. But uh, the big one for everybody's, uh, you know, I, I guess the big fight of the weekend, right, was one FC, yeah. one championship, excuse me, uh, over in Singapore. They do things a little different. They don't even do round by round scoring. It's uh, it's, it's the fight as a whole. They have their own little criteria system, which isn't worth getting into on here. I think we've done it before, and it's weird. And yeah, it's uh, it's different. But I tried watching this fight with like trying to keep the the fight as a whole. In mind. Is that right? It was difficult. Yeah. And I was like, eh, well, I'm just gonna watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, I, that's I exactly what I did. I didn't bother. I was like, I actually I gave some minor thought to being like, well, what if I sat there and tried to score each round like it like as if you were scoring it under ABC, mm. you know, round by round scoring ten point must. And then I was like, well, what's the point? Why don't I just watch this fun fight? Yeah, just and so I did. I just watched this fun fight, and you know what? It was a fun fight. It was a good fight. And in yeah. round two, I thought Mighty Mouse was done. Yeah, he looked like he was, especially with those knees on the ground from uh, Adriano Marais, that was, uh, he looked like they were going to be heading to real problem area. But he, I mean, he came back all right, especially once he got back to his feet. With, that was like, that was almost like the last stand for Marais. He was, he was still in the fight, I think, the whole way. But that was the point where it was like, you never really saw him threaten again in, in to such a degree. Yeah, he hurt him with the head kick, forced DJ to take a shot, and then got stuck in the front headlock position, ate a bunch of knees, and DJ was able to weather it and kind of kind of took over after that, after he ate Barai's best attack, like you said. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and of course, uh, the knee of his own was what ended it. Um, beautiful knee. Gorgeous knee. Walk-off. Walk-off knee. He knew, he knew it was over. He knew what he did. It was... And I liked him describing it afterward, too, with all the sound effects. It was like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, Mighty Mouse is a character. I, I, mean, I still can't believe how the UFC got such a raw deal in that trade. Insane. But they didn't, though, is the but thing. they didn't? What do you mean they didn't? Because... They lost the GOAT, basically. Look, I, I don't disagree that the better fighter is over there, both I currently. I GOAT, but one of my Mount Rushmore, yeah. He's he's one of the greatest fighters of all time, and he's still, especially because of what we've seen from Ben Askren since then, the fact he's not fighting anymore, he's the better fighter now. He was the better fighter at literally every single point this this thing happened, but I think they made more money off this trade, the UFC did, as a result of it, because Ben Askren essentially created the version of Jorge Masvidal that made money for them. I guess. I, I don't know. I think they won the trade. But I also think one made out very well here because he's Mighty Mouse Johnson is most easily their biggest star abroad. 
you know, I can't speak to the Asian market, but abroad, he's the one that everyone tunes into. I mean, this this <laughs> this particular weekend, everyone was tuning in for him. But so I think everybody kind of won this trade. It's just the UFC got exactly what it wanted out of it, which was more money, even if it wasn't the way they intended it to be. Here's how I see it. I don't tune in for outside UFC fights very often. Correct. I don't tune into Bellator to watch Musasi fight, and he's regarded as one of the greatest of all time. I mean, but I will tune in. One of the greatest probably is somewhere in the top fifteen. DJ every time, no matter where he's fighting. But that's because he's a top five. So that's how I see it. He's a true legend. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't tune in for just any random person, even if they were, you know, top fifteen. So what you're saying is like because one also has uh, Eddie Alvarez. He's not, he's not moving the needle for you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch one. If, if Eddie Alvarez happened to be on this card, I'd okay. I'll watch that fight too. What if you had nothing else going on on a Friday night, and then and, uh, Eddie uh, Alvarez is on another one of those? I'd be on video Amazon games. Cards. I'd be playing the show. Okay, it just does doesn't do it do it for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. But what I do want to, what I like about one, and this this has to change. There's no reason we can't be kneeing people in the head on the ground <laughs> in the UFC. That this has to be a part of the of the. Unified rules. This uh, I'm convinced. As long as knees are to the head are legal, the most dominant position is the front headlock position. You can have the back all day long and fight. Just fight the hands. You're not in real danger. You take a shot as a reaction to getting hit in the head standing. Now you're going to eat a bunch of knees to the face. It, it's it's something that that has to happen. I think. Well, when you say it has to happen, you mean you really want it to happen, not it's something that is actually going to happen. No, I think it has to happen. Who's going to make it happen, though? I don't know, but someone should make it happen. I mean, you were you were in at uh, ABC at least for the weekend portion. I mean, I think there are no rule changes or anything. No, but that's the type of thing they're not going to be thinking about. But they should be thinking about this is a this is a major fight changing sport changing rule. Twelve to six elbows is a non-starter. I mean. This is like this is the this is the most no brainer of no brainers is to get rid of twelve to six elbow foul and yet it's still going to be there for quite a long time and it makes no sense. I feel like I feel like we're not getting anything different out of out of knees to the grounded opponent until at least twelve to six is gone. Then we can start moving on to other things. Put them both in the same same rule change the same year, but no one's gonna get behind it because literally everybody's concern is safety. Oh my god! But it's it's just. It's a part of fighting. Look, it, it would change everything. I mean, you you understand that when I say this, I'm pretty okay with the idea of adding that as a legal strike. I, I'm I have no actual obligation, you know, ob- objections to the tent, the the knees to the grounded opponent necessarily. It doesn't really bother me, but I just don't see a reality that that's coming anytime soon, if ever. Well, it needs to happen. Maybe one day I'll be the head of ABC. When you say it needs and to I'll, happen, I'll make it a happen. pun here because it's a knee. What? It needs to happen. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's too late to laugh at that. That's all right. But, uh, you know, like we said, we don't have any live fights from the weekend. So what we like to do is we like to look back. We go back to a past fight for a segment we call Past Judgment. And we put our little spin on the scoring just for this particular segment where we, just, we have a little more fun, right? We go back. We look at a fight. We take the ABC score. Well, you know what? Dan, I, I don't want to steal the thunder. You're the one who likes to to set this one up. Why don't you explain what we do for past yeah. judgment? Uh, really, we just stretch the definitions in nines, eights, and sevens. We scored it using ABC criteria based on effective striking and grappling and the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. 
10-9 is a round where neither fighter checks off a D to a strong degree. 10-8 can be considered for 1D but must be given for 2Ds. And a 10-7 can be considered for 2Ds but must be given for all three. The rare 10-10 is just for partial rounds and basically staring contests. We've eliminated effective aggression in area control because it's extremely rarely that judges use these anyway. Uh, what we think this does is provides a more accurate view of what the fight happened, what happened in a fight. Right. And we are going to be looking back on this particular occasion to a fight that I guess it has a little bit of meaning for, for you and I. A little bit. Because we both attended this fight separately. And what this year was this? This was, uh, I'll tell you everything about it, sir, when I set it up. And the fight in particular we are talking about is George St. Pierre defending his welterweight belt against Dan Hardy at UFC 111 in Newark, New Jersey, March 27th, 2010, at the Prudential Center, The Rock. That that was, a, I want to say it was this event that Jim Miller was, was billed as from Whippany, New Jersey, which made me basically start thinking, hey, how far is Whippany from me? Is that right? I th- it was. It was. I don't remember if it was a TV or if it was in person. Well, you. Well, you were there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And and this was the one where he fought against Mark Bocek. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, he had his back taken for quite a while. First round. round. That yeah. would be a fun fight, actually, to go back and say. Well, what, mm-hmm. maybe would we score it differently now? Yeah, I remember he gets up and he was the one that was all pumped up because he didn't get submitted mm-hmm. and survived basically. Yeah. Uh, the the shoe on the other foot there. Mark Bocek was a damn good grappler too. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, this this fight was this was the first fight that I ever attended live, um, in any capacity. Yeah, it was well, it was a good one to attend. I think we, I mean, we had John Fitch on the card, but what, what can you do? That was actually not a good fight. So, <laughs> no, no surprise necessarily, but yeah. Um, Frank, was Frank Yeager on this card? No, no Frankie was not. The next card, that's right. No, this was the co-main for this one. Was uh, it was the interim heavyweight title fight because uh, Mark uh, Brock Lesnar was out with diverticulitis, mm-hmm. so it was Shane Carwin against Frank Mir, and that was where uh, oh, you know, Frank Mir's like, oh, he's not going to take me down. He's not going to take me down. So it's like, okay, well, I'll just press him up against the cage, and then he gets his face smashed in. Yeah, this I, I remember specifically because Frankie Edgar fights BJ Penn at one twelve. This was one eleven. That's right. So I. When this was happening, they didn't announce the car. They just announced they were coming in Jersey. I was like, this is perfect. BJ Penn's going to be there, and, and it's going to be awesome. And well, it didn't happen. So we, you got, know, re- we got GSP, though. So You know, in retrospect, they should have done it the other way around. They should have had the interim heavyweight title fight in April. I mean, you know, obviously there's reasons these things happen and everything like that. But if you kind of look at it, it's like you know, it would have almost been cooler to have Frankie and BJ there because it was Jersey, right? And then you put the heavyweight title fight on the same card as uh, or the inner heavyweight title fight on the same card as Anderson Silva. That could have been fun. Yeah, I mean, the thing I think the thing was I think uh, Abu Dhabi had strong uh, influence over who was going to be fighting. I believe they did. Yeah, so, and I, you know, I think I think they liked BJ. Yeah, you know? well, at that time, they liked Anderson. They wanted they wanted those mm-hmm. guys there, and I believe. Uh, Damian Myatt, too, because of ADCC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we're, we're talking about UFC 111 here, though. We're talking about GSP against Dan Hardy. <laughs> uh, St. Pierre, of course, the the GOAT, uh, was coming into this fight at 19-2, and two, making his fourth title defense since unifying his interim title with a win over Matt Serra two years earlier. Serra, of course, took the title from him. Uh, 28 years old at this point, he had most recently just defended his belt against Tiago Alves at UFC 100. Mm. That was one where he uh he tore they sat on the broadcast for this fight actually. He tore his adductor muscle in three places and during the fight of course he he told uh 
He told his coaches, oh, I tore my adductor muscle. And they said, I don't care. Hit them with it. <laughs> I always love that one. Yeah. I like thinking about that one. Um, Hardy coming into this one. He was 23 and 6. He had a no contest on his record as well. 27 years old. Won his first four fights in the UFC. Ah, and was on a good old days. fight win streak. What's the good the old good days? old days when f- a four fight win streak gets you a title yeah, fight. Yeah, I know. Now, now you got to win like 30 in a row. Uh, he beat Mike Swick, actually, in a title eliminator the previous November, which got him uh, this opportunity. Uh, in Manchester, too. Friendly territory for him because he hadn't fought in the United States in four years. Judges for this fight, Jeff Blatnick, Doug Crosby, and Cardo Urso. The referee, Kevin Mulhall. Jersey guy. Jersey guy, yeah. Uh, and I should note, we actually don't have individual round scores for this one. But, uh, well, spoiler alert here, St. Pierre wins every round. We're just talking about degrees. So we, we, you know, we can yeah. kind of speculate as we go which rounds we think maybe got the 10-8 uh, from, the, from uh, certain judges. But uh, Dan, why don't we why don't we start with round one here? What's going on? Yeah, so they stand for about ten seconds, and then GSP takes him down, and <sighs> he keeps him there. It's a really long staring <laughs> contest. <laughs> he ends up taking the back. He he does try for a brief armbar from the back. I guess he he didn't want to go for the choke, and and Hardy just turns into him. GSP just jumps up to his feet and takes him back down again. Uh, he gets to the mount, then he's on the back again, and then he finishes the round with a really solid armbar attack here. It's really tight. Outside of that, I didn't think there was that much damage, but definitely outclassed his opponent here. I think it's 10-8. That armbar in live time looked different to me. It's like, oh, wow, it was, wasn't that great live, but then when you watch the replay, it's like, wow, that was that was pretty tight. But I remembered it being crazier, I think, from 10 years, uh, 12 when years ago arena, at this point. Yeah. yeah. How was your vantage point for that fight when you were there? I was upstairs. So I had a bird's eye view. Okay. See, I was, I was on the lower bowl, but I was kind of far back on the lower bowl. Mm. I remember that Mike Brown, uh, who of course now is the uh, one of the vaunted coaches at uh, American Top Team down in Florida, he was very close to my section for, or at least he was walking through my section at some point. He was taking pictures with people. So back when he was, of course, an active mm-hmm. fighter and still one of the best uh, featherweights in the world. Yeah. Actually, was he the champion at even that point? He might have still been the champion at that point. He might have been before uh, he lost to Aldo. Uh, wild to think about, but. Um, no, I, so so you had what score for this round? I'm ten eight GSP. I had ten seven. I did go the ten seven because you know I think you obviously check off dominance here. Yeah, there is a total so. outclassing on the ground. Um, nothing happens from Dan Hardy. He basically does nothing, nothing happens from Dan just Hardy. about. Um, and again, it's through through the duration of the round here, pretty much. So I've got two D's here already. Right? Yeah, you can go there. I can go there already. I do think I can start getting into damage uh, high enough because you can account for the the closeness right. of the armbar, right? I I scored it a little heavier than you did, I think. Um, yeah, when I saw it live, I didn't think it. I, I knew it was a good attack. I was like, well, but it doesn't look like he would tap from that though. Having said that, like I, you know, I went seven. I like my seven here, but I can totally understand why you wouldn't get there to the to the seven in full because it's other than that arm bar it really just there's not a that, whole lot that, that's else. basically the strongest argument i have or reasoning i have for right. not going there and, and that's fair that so, if, if that's what you're saying makes a lot of sense yeah. to me why you wouldn't go there but it's nice that we can kind of have that debate whether it's you know you got the option to go to the eight or you can go to the seven right mm-hmm. either way i think it still makes some sense and it's still defensible right um round two what's going on here and actually before we move on we should probably i would say this is Definitely one of the rounds that could potentially have been a 10-8. Yeah. 
I mean, I think there's. I know, I know what you're saying, but like, like listen, think about what the, where their positions yeah. are. I mean, you said on the replay it looked a little different, right? Maybe yeah. it looked a little different to yeah. the three man cage yeah, for side. Sure. So that's why I would say at the very least, there, this is this is in the the uh, the running for mm-hmm. being one of the ten eight rounds. Yeah. So uh, round two though, what's happening here? Well, they're on the feet for a long time again. Um, no, just GSP big take... kickboxing round. <laughs> GSP just takes him down, moves to side control, but you know he's not really doing much damage here. He's just kind of controlling the position. Hardy's stuck. He, he's trying to hail mary strikes that aren't really doing anything. Uh, GSP ends up attacking another armbar, but Hardy ends up on top in GSP's guard. And he does actually land a couple decent shots here. Landed a nice elbow from the guard, but they're not there that long. Back on the feet, GSP's jab is is being pumped out. He worked some solid uh, jabs here. Landed at one solid right, uh, and then he dumps him back on the ground again and, and kind of hangs out there till the round ends. So I don't think GSP did enough to get past the nine here. It was decently. I mean, this was obviously the most competitive round, if you want to call it competitive. <laughs> in, um, in so much as a round in which... <laughs> Dan Hardy actually still landed no significant offense. Well, I did think he had decent <laughs> offense in the guard. I thought he had landed a nice elbow. Okay. Um, so I'm 10-9 GSP. I mean, I had, I also went that way too, but I still think you can actually make an argument if you really want to for an eight for GSP here too, because again, there's really nothing happening from from Hardy. Um, but I'm still I'm I'm good with my eight, my nine here. I, I like my nine. Mm. in this round um not too much more to add here so yeah nice score uh through two rounds i have 20 to 16 for gsp and you have 20 to 17 and really at this point even in our system 20 to 16 is it's very attainable to be able to come back in this fight Mm -hmm. it's still hard but you know there's there's room for it there's room. room for it right round three what is happening now uh basically a wrestling clinic uh there's really not much to say for, uh, you know, he get, takes Hardy down and lands some decent ground and pound. Nothing crazy, no real fight ending blows or, or damage or sequences here. It's just a total outclassing uh, in the grappling section. And I'm on 10-8, GSP. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think he lands some pretty decent strikes in this round too, GSP, from from the, you know, because he's, he's going for that ground and pound a little bit more. He's got the mentality of it. That was, mm. that was what they spoke about on the broadcast as well. The fact that, you know, Greg Jackson was saying, let's make this a round where we do that, focus on the ground and pound, that kind of thing. Um, I think he did that to a degree. I think he was able, he was successful in executing mm-hmm. what he wanted to, to a point, um, landed some good shots. I think some of the better ground and pound style shots of the round or of the fight for GSP here. Okay. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same plane as you. I think this is an eight. I think this is a solid round, a very good round for him. Just doesn't cross over anywhere else. So, um, yeah, ten eight. I have it thirty twenty four for GSP here. You have thirty twenty five. Now we're getting into the point where it's like, okay, even through three rounds, you just don't see a whole lot of ways for Dan Hardy to come back. No. Granted, <laughs> I mean, even if it was all ten nines, you'd be saying the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. But that doesn't represent the fight we're watching. No, so. no, no. I think this is much more representative of the fight that we're watching. Where we're saying, "Oh wow, he's up by six points on the cards mm-hmm. already." Like, yeah, that's that 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 sounds right. You know, and that's what we like about this. Round four. What's uh, going on now? Well, spoiler alert, GSP takes him down again almost instantly. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't think anyone at home who hasn't watched the fight well, would believe you. It, it's kind of just crazy. Like, he, he was just so far superior in the wrestling department this entire fight. He was, but, you know, as much as, as, much as you, you know, you have to praise George St. Pierre for what he does, 
uh, uh, Mike Goldberg points out, you have to credit George St. Pierre. Yeah. For winning, you got to credit George St. Pierre for being the fighter that wins. Very Captain yeah. Obvious there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, they're being polite on the broadcast and praising Dan Hardy's wrestling. I don't think it's particularly good. I, I think it's a good mix of GSP's really good at the wrestling and also Dan Hardy's just not very good at the wrestling. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, yeah. it's, and I'm not trying to be impolite. I think that's just the way it was. Even in the post fight, GSP is just so nice and yeah. and um, congratulatory even to Dan Hardy for you know surviving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to round four. Takes him down, passes, gets the back briefly. He's holding Hardy down. He's landing some really good ground and pound. I think this round, especially from side control, the elbows, the punches, uh, and then he locks up this super tight Kimura. My arm started hurting from it. I thought he was going to tear it off. This is was a sub I remember uh, from Sal. I was like, wow, how is he not tapping to this? His arm is behind his head. It's funny. I actually like... remembered the arm bar better, the first, okay. the first round arm bar. That was the one that stuck in my head just for over time. I mean, of course, remembered all of mm-hmm. it, but yeah. I'm I'm still in shock that he didn't tap to this. Uh, I'm what, at a what he said? here. He said, uh, I don't know the meaning of tap, right? Isn't that what he said afterward? Yeah. Yeah. But he's tapped out before. Hey. I mean, it was a good line, but Things it just, say. it just, yeah. But like, I mean, you got to stand by it a little bit. Yeah. Know. But anyway, yes, we had a 10-7. I like to think I wouldn't tap either to certain things, but I just know I would. There is no way I'm so, not tapping before you Kimura me. I'm not, like, I'm not breaking my arm on my shoulder. It's not happening. Like that's the, like, yeah. I no, think, thank you. I think I would rather tap, like I would never let my arm no, get no Garrett because that just seems brutal. But like I could see myself allowing someone to just toe hold me and, and snap my ankle. Oh, like, sir. Ooh. So no, that's not because me. I've had that happen where I didn't tap. Uh huh. But my ankle didn't break, but it started popping. Yeah. And I was like, it's not really not that bad. But the shoulder, once it reaches that one that point, it it's very painful. I find walking to be a really useful tool in my daily mm-hmm. life, so I'm gonna tap okay. out to those leg locks. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, no, like a, like a knee, like a, a heel hook or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you. But like ankle lock or yeah, toe holds. It's still it's, it's still gonna make it hard for me to get around, yeah. and I just don't like that. That's not I'm not about that okay. life. Right. You know, that's Fair that's enough. me. I think if if there is a version of me that actually signs on the dotted line to get into, you know, a combat sport situation where, you know, it's not just like a Naga that I did, right? I did the Naga one time. Um, I think the only thing that I could see myself allowing myself not to tap to would be, you know, certain chokes, mm-hmm. right? Because you go out, everybody knows how to get you right back. I, I have trust in the, the the systems around me and the people around me to be able to make sure that I don't suffer any ill effects from going out from a choke. but I don't want to break my arm, and I don't want to break my leg, and I don't want to be walking around. I just don't want any of that. No, no, mm. no more. Well, fighters have different, uh, that, and different mindsets. But so. that's the thing, exactly. I'm not that. I know that. <laughs> it takes a different breed. I'm fascinated by people who are that, but that's not me. Um, to get back to the fight and, and my particular score, I also had a 10-7 for this round. I think that that Kimura in particular that really has to put it over the top. That's That's a big damage move, I think. Um, so once you get damage in there, it certainly makes it a lot easier to give any ordees, but you still got, I think you've got three Ds in this round. Yeah. I think this is a, this is one of those, this, of all the rounds, this is probably the one that absolutely had to have been a 10-8. I would think. I would agree. Yeah. From the scorecards. Now, granted, there was one, uh, judge in particular that actually did not give any 10-8s, and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but there were two judges who gave at least one 10-8 and one that gave two. So I would think. There's a decent chance that the two judges were aligned 
on a 10-8 in this, or yeah, on a 10-8 in this round. Um, which of course here for us that's a 10-7 adds up to my score being 40 to 31 through four rounds you have 40 to 32 we're not that far off uh no matter what it's very much uh dan hardy needs hail mary to win here oh he needs more than a hail mary Mm -hmm. so he needs to pull out one of those uh you know fake the left punch and then go for the left kick he needs a leon edwards knockout yeah 12 12 years later (laughs) 12 years later one of his countrymen uh, who is going to pull it off at welterweight, and that's that's Leon Edwards. But we're not getting that here with Dan Hardy. He was not going to be the the uh, English champion on this occasion. Round five uh, ensured that. What happened in round five? Yeah, round five is uh, another outclassing. Takes him down on the ground again. He does stand on the feet a little bit. He you know he hit him with an outside kick and a, a punch. Yeah, it looked like he was almost going to try and yeah. test out the, the, the striking for a little while. But, but ultimately, like, nah. you know what? Let me just stick to my bread and butter here. Mm-hmm. Dumps him on the ground. I think GSP landed some really good ground and pound this round. I thought he had good sub attacks. He was setting up that Kimura again, and then he would switch to the Razor Armbar as you know Dan Hardy was defending. I thought they were solid attacks here. Uh, coupled with the fact Hardy is doing absolutely nothing but just trying to survive. I think it's kind of really crazy how good GSP was. It was reminding me of that. It reminded me of of an interaction I had sitting in my seat where there was a group of four British guys or guys from England that were there to support Dan. And they just knew that it was over. And the one guy just started yelling, come on, for God's sakes, Dan, just do something. (laughs) I remember these stories from me. I was like, yeah, he's not doing anything. I think think he hit checks all three Ds here. So I'm on 10-7. And this is definitely the first time that we've been this far apart, I think. Yeah. I have a 10-9 for GSP here. Yeah. I just didn't see the same. I mean, I look, he absolutely won the round, and I think it's very easy to make an argument that he gets at least a 10-8 here. So I, I, I'm, upon further review, I feel like, okay, at least I could go to an 8, but the 7's very hard for me in this round. I don't, I don't think I get there. See, I think this was his best ground and pound round. This was from side control. The elbows and the punches were good. I thought the razor arm bars were solid attacks, and it's a it's just a total beatdown, really. I tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to revise my score upon further thought. I'm actually going to go for the eight. Okay, that's good because I was I was I am because I kind of think it's it's a it's a stronger round than round one. Yeah, I disagree. I do actually so, disagree on there. I really do. Mm, I don't know. I think there's a better uh, attack here that gets closer to the finish in it, round but it's one. one. But it's one attack. Yeah, but I think we already have the two Ds anyway. Yeah. So that for me, yeah. that was more like icing. I was I was close to anyway. Oof. But then then you get that. I think that was icing. So I just didn't see that in round five here. So we 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 disagree here. We disagree on round five. We disagree on round one. Um, I, I'm I'm glad to have heard you kind of put more in perspective about what you thought happened in that round because it does help me kind of push myself to that eight that I really think I I think I was to some degree underrating what. GSP really was able to accomplish with the you strikes. You were bored of it round. already? Was I bored of it? I mean, yeah. it's look, like, we've seen this. Do something new, GSP. I mean, shoot. <laughs> I won't rule it out. It's it's late. It's real late at night for you and me to be recording this show. But so <laughs> I've seen how this story ends before. I will not. Let's just go. I literally did see this fight in person. So yeah, I knew how this ended. So yeah, I mean, that I won't rule that out. I'm I'm not a judge. You know? we're, we're now trained, but I'm also not a certified... Uh, Hired judge, licensed judge, right? Yeah. Oh, well, GSP won, and that's 
and he won. Yeah, he certainly so. did. Our, and now, because again, I, I tweaked my score for this round, we actually ended up in the same final score of fifty to thirty-nine, which got there a little bit differently. Which I believe the only other fight we've reviewed that got fifty thirty-nine was uh, Habib and Ally Quinta. Um, you know what? I'll pull that up for you in just a moment, but I will tell you. Uh, what the final scores were here. So again, it was 50-45, 50-44, and 50-43. Uh, Judge Urso had the fi- the 45. He didn't give any eights. Jeff Blatnick, the late Jeff Blatnick, gave a 50-44, to 44, and it was Doug Crosby, uh, a month before we realized that he was the judging genius, gave <laughs> this one a 50-43. Um, I can't fault him there. I mean, I certainly see how you'd get there depending on which rounds he's talking about. Um, Maybe he was a genius at this point. It could have been. He this is been. what made him the genius. That's right. He felt emboldened. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, so what are we talking about here? What, which round were we saying? Was uh, Or which fight were we saying was, was the the 50 to... Al Habib Al Quinta. That was... I can tell you, because I'm looking it up right now. And these were our scores, not official yes, scores. Yes, we both so. had 50 to 39. Of course, this is our past judgment uh, CSJ criteria scoring. We both had 50 39 for Khabib. And that that is, this, so this matches that in terms of lopsidedness. And, and I think just like that fight, it has more to do with just the fact that GSP was so far ahead and the other guy did nothing. Um, and, and same thing, Khabib, for a long time, Ally Quinta did just about nothing. He couldn't get anything done. He was just getting smothered. It wasn't necessarily mm. just a total beatdown, you know? Yeah, but everyone kind of remembers that moment where we're, I couldn't kind of, you know, powers up. Right. And it lands a couple strikes. And I'm like, oh, he's going to win. We and did. It's like, oh, no. We did actually have for GSP 50 to 40 against John Fitch, though. So this okay. is the second one where right, well. GSP has gotten at least a 10-point victory in CSJ scoring. That could I feel be. like we should we got to go back to a few more GSP fights just to see how many more of these he's worth. Because that's the that's the thing I think people underrate when it comes to GSP is just how dominant he was over his competition. Not just that it was his comp- I mean, he was dominant over the next challenger time after time after time after time. These guys weren't in the fight. Yeah, they really weren't. It's amazing. I mean, BJ Penn won that first fight. No, I'm <laughs> saying no. I mean, I mean, BJ Penn won, meaning the number one, that first fight. Uh is probably the like most competitive fight. Oh, you're talking about the, of the championship of, fights? Yeah. No, it wasn't about? a cha- it was only a three rounder. Oh, you're talking fight. about the three the, like, the, their first that's one, fight. That's that's one of the fights where GSP looks human, kinda. Sure. I mean we yeah, look, we've so. seen him look human too. I mean, he lost to Matt Hughes early in his career. He lost to uh Matt Sarah, of course. We all know that. Yeah. But those were different though. Once BJ Penn. Once he lost to Matt Sarah, he was a different fighter. Well, he, something snapped in his head and said, hey, in him, yeah. he was a lot more. I, I am uh, poor Matt Sarah. He took an absolute. That's one of the craziest TKOs I've ever seen. Yeah. Just drilling them to the body with knees. He brutalized them. <laughs> um, wild, wild, wild fighter. But what an amazing fighter. Yeah. So I think we should we should revisit GSP uh, and his. Listen, I think we might be living in the next GSP right now, to be honest. Who's that? Bo Nickel. I have I have extremely high expectations and people are telling me to temper them and I just can't because I just see I just see so much dominance in this kid and uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm glad you feel so, that way. I'm going to myself rein it in a little bit. No, I, I can't do it. <laughs> I, hey, you do you, man. Just, I, I'm I'm built a little differently than you. You know that. Yeah. But he, maybe he, is he your next guy? Maybe you could latch on. He's to? probably gonna be my next yeah? guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Because this is... Because I know you've been looking for one. Someone to be be your guy. I need to. In, in a yeah. post-209 era. Well, we got one more with the 209. He'll, you know... Hey, it, did you, did you Nick, see the Nick video? Diaz is still under contract. Did you yes, see I the saw. video? That's insane. The, the video of, of when the <laughs> when the Asada guy, guy came over. <laughs> hey, why not? Uh, but that guy didn't know what he was walking into that day. Oh, not did. really. I mean, he knew, but did he know? <laughs> yeah, he probably was like, oh, I got to do this. Can I? Someone want to switch with me? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he was more excited than he let on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that that is it for past judgment. Now we can look ahead to this coming weekend where the UFC is back. We had our little break. It was a welcome break for me. It was, you know, my my son's birthday the past week, so we, we had a fun Happy time. Birthday. Yes, thank you, thank you. We went to Legoland in New York, um, which, by the way, Legoland New York is like a solid five minutes from Shane Burgos' house. Wow. Yeah, I passed by uh, Monroe, New York, where he lives, like on the way there. Okay. There's nothing up there. It's actually kind of nice out there, but there's also nothing. Yeah. Um, except yeah. for it's Woodbury Commons, the, okay, the yeah. outlets there. Yeah. Familiar with that? Yeah. It's like that's up there, and then there's Monroe, New York, and then it's Legoland. But the there's no signs for Legoland. You just know it's there, mm. and then you get there. But Legoland, the hotel, I have to tell you, was amazing. Okay. Because you actually stay in in a themed room, which is obviously amazing for kids. Yeah. Ours was pirate themed. Oh, that's pretty cool. So there was a scavenger hunt to be able to unlock the the safe, which was like the treasure chest. And uh, they had fun with that. Their little area, they had a little Lego setup. Uh, and it's a brand new building. So it was like, you know, you stay in a hotel. And this mm-hmm. ho- like even like a new hotel is like 30 to 40 years old. This yeah. hotel is two years old. I did see. I so it's s- made with like modern sensibilities in mind, like from the ground up. I saw, in, uh, I saw an ad for it. I was like, oh, wow. For the Legoland yeah. Hotel? Like the whole it's like a big oh, yeah. resort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fun. It was a good time. Uh, and 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 my boys had an amazing time. Well, so that's good. That's that was the best part. My my oldest, it was his birthday. It was he kept on saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, like just randomly. <laughs> he would just say it like probably five or six times over two days, and it was just like man, we really hit the nail on the head with this one. So uh, father of the year over here. I'll take my there award. You go. Make sure it's in the mail. Yeah, we'll with, send with, that with in those couch side overnights. Yep. <laughs> But uh, but UFC Paris, like get back to it. So we're looking ahead. UFC is finally, finally, finally having an event in Paris, in France. Yeah, they've been looking to break into this market for a very long time. Bellator's already been there a couple times, but now UFC's getting over there. Um, not a not a giant card either. I mean, there's some good fights on here, I think, but it's not it's not the the monster breakthrough that I guess I would have expected when they finally got to Paris. Really? Yeah. Yeah, really. I thought I thought they would try to do a like a pay per view level event. I thought they would put a pay per view there. I think they would have if if Gone would have been if Cyril Gone, yeah, absolutely. So, or if he was a champ, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but nonetheless, I I think they they could have done that. I think they wanted to. Ultimately, it's just my my thinking on it. Is I think they wanted to get one over there and just didn't work out. So this is what we have. But yeah, it's a, it's a decent card. I think for what it is, uh, Cyril Gone, like we said, is going against Tai Tuivasa. It's a nice heavyweight matchup. It's an interesting matchup. Big, big uh, potential title implications based on however the heck the heavyweight division shakes out, which, as we've spoken about before on the show, it's kind of a mess. Um, I do like the fight, though. It's interesting. I'm interested in it. I want to see if uh, what Tai Tuivasa's approach is going to be, because, uh, you know, on the surface, you look at this and you say, okay, well, Siragan is, he fights very smart, right? I think he's going to try mm-hmm. and kind of pick him apart, drag him into the deeper water, right? But it only takes one with Ty because this man hits really hard. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess it's similar in a sense with the Nganu fight because Nganu hits very hard as well. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, there's similarities to here. There's similarities to Derek Lewis. I think Tai Tuivasa though is you know he, he unlike Derek Lewis he has fewer let's say physical limitations potentially based on like injury history and that kind of thing. I I would say this of those three that we just mentioned, Ty's the most reckless. I'd say. Yeah, if, if, which makes him a little bit more of a wild card. For lack of a better word. Yeah. So. I think he's willing to make it more of a brawl. Yeah. You know? He's willing to eat some shots. Yeah. To get in there. Yeah, it'll be an interesting fight. That's This is a heavyweight fight that I am I can get up for. So. It's it's worth more than one round. Yeah. Maybe. But I would prefer it not go more than one round. <laughs> <laughs> End it quick. It's just, it's just do it anyway. I'll give you two rounds before I start whining, right? Um, <laughs> it's a good one. This this one being in France, of course. Uh, I expect that they'll probably bring in, uh, you know, some of the top European judges, maybe from England, maybe from you know other parts of of Europe, you know. So maybe we'll see like the Ben Cartledges and David Levebees and that, those types of of folks, but maybe also you know Clemens Werner from Germany, uh, who is, you know just just an incredible judge too. Um, I I suspect there will be some local judges too that get some some assignments too. I it's just my supposition here. I think there were if I recall uh when they were in when Bellator was over there as well, which is good. I mean give give experience, sure. Um hopefully, I mean imagine because this is in Europe, I'm not sure if France's commission, if France has a commission that's running this show, I, I I meant to look into this and because we moved up our recording a day early, I actually didn't get to research it. Uh but, you know, Mark Ratner in the UFC, I imagine, will, will have a say in, in the way things work over there. That's, that would be my suspicion, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I have a good, I have confidence in the, in the officiating is what I should really get down to. Yeah, I think it would be good. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to see here? Well, the co-main's great. Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori. I like it. I love this one. This is really, I like the card at the top. I think the one-two punch right here is really good. It's it's every, everything after that. There's there's things I like, but it's just it doesn't it doesn't have as much like star powers. I think they w- would have been ideal for their first event here, right? Right. But it's got things that you know I love about about fighters. Dustin Stoltzfus fighting right off of uh, UFC Long Island. He's yes. back on this card. Charles Jordan is back on this card after fighting Shane Burgos and in UFC uh, Long Island. Pretty fun fight there at UFC Long Island. Yeah, yeah, and so. and, and Charles Jordan against uh Nathaniel Wood. This is a, I mean, I'm glad that Wood is up here at 145 now, but it's funny cuz I mean, he he looked the part of a big 135er, but not necessarily of a 145er. Mhm. So, I'm curious to see how he does against Charles Jordan, who is a, is most definitely a 145er and a dangerous one, so. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Yeah, this is going to be a a good fight. Which one are you more excited about of those? Though? I mean, do you like Whitaker and, and Vittori best? Or I think so. I mean, anytime the Reaper's in there, I'm, I'm pretty excited for him. I want him to fight more, though. Uh, that's my only knock. But yeah, and, and, and Marvin Vittori, I just love, is just always so angry and you know what's going to happen. I think that the tough thing with someone like Robert Whitaker, though, is how often can he fight when he's he's already beaten a lot of these guys and like there's just not that many fighters who are really at that level. It's tough to match him up because he's in no man's land now. He's not going to get another fight against Israel Asanya for if he does, it's going to be a long time. He's going to need to do a lot of yeah, work. He's going to have to yeah. clear out everything again to even make a, a remote case to get a third fight. Even if people thought that second fight. So remember when there were people making the argument that Robert Whitaker lost or excuse me won the second fight against Adesanya? Yeah, that was 
I thought that was a little silly. Yeah. I but, mean, uh, just, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of against that whole notion, especially in a division that's kind of as weak what as notion? middleweight. That just because he lost twice already doesn't mean like he's won in, like, right at the top anyway. Yeah, I guess I would still like to see him get several wins because I think there are other fighters who are coming up at at one forty five, one eighty five now, who I wouldn't mind getting the chance to get over him because they haven't had their shot. Yeah, you know, I mean, they still have to win maybe one, you know, one to two more fights. Right, but too. I, the thing is, I just don't like him kind of being stuck in the gatekeeper position that's the for as long works. as for as long as he has to be. That's just the way if it because works, if he though, keeps man. Winning these fights and. What's Izzy going to do? Like, you can't just keep putting him against, you know, the number eight ranked middleweight just because that's a fresh fight. Well, this one, of course, against South Pajero makes a lot of sense. This one's in. Yeah, well, this I has mean, a story behind it's, it. It's so. got everything behind it. I mean, there's also the fact that he did just beat Sean Strickland, who pretty much everybody agreed was probably going to get the next shot with a win, you know, and that would have made a decent amount of sense to do so. Um, but, there, you know, I, I look at uh, Andre Muniz coming up. He interests me mm-hmm. as somebody who I honestly. And we're getting off topic here, but he interests me as somebody who potentially has the skill set to really give Israel Asanya some challenges, some new looks at least. Okay. I'm not saying he'd win necessarily, but we haven't seen a fighter with his particular strengths come along. It's going to be interesting. Since he's become champion. I want to see what he can do, uh, if he can get there. But uh, I'm I'm also actually interested in another middleweight fight, uh, Nasruddin Imavov against uh, Joaquin Buckley. Okay. Buckley's always fun. Yeah, I'm still... I'm, that knockout was great, but it's, it's not on my list. No, I mean, okay. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm just going to let you have that one. But um, <laughs> but but nonetheless, he, he's he's getting some wins under his belt here. And Imavov is... I, I want to say he might be in the rankings somewhere, too. Joaquin yeah, just fought at UFC Long Island. These are guys... Joaquin Buckley was not at UFC Long Island, was he? Yeah, didn't he win? He beat... Uh, let me pull it up for you. As if I wasn't there. It's very late. <laughs> Have we said that already? Because it is very late. Yeah, he just beat uh, Albert Derive. Albert Derive. Yeah. No, that way. Yeah, that wasn't Long Island. No, bad. that's not me. But whatever. Ah, haha. The letter to you, my friend. What are you gonna do? Whatever. <laughs> he fought in June. He's fighting again now. There you so go. So I'm happy for that. Okay. Also, Caitlin Chikagian was supposed to fight on this card. Then that got pulled. That's right. Jessica, this, it was going to be Man on Fierro, right? Was going to fight Man on Fierro, and then that got scrapped and then caitlin was back in and now that ended up getting moved to ufc 280 so yeah it was a whole... weird fjords so on, yeah this on this is one card. this is definitely one that that got messed up for that reason so it, it there would have been a little more strength to it especially with local flair there but it's unfortunate that we couldn't have had more but it is what it is um yeah i mean it's always nice when we we come off the break at least for ufc at least for me because i feel refreshed i'm much more well you're gonna okay, like this get... more What's, what am i gonna like the noon start Oh, it's a noon start. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Local time. Oh, I do like that. <laughs> That'll be nice. So I will not be around to watch it live, but although hey. now that I think about it, I'm going to a barbecue that day. I'll be in Boston. Or is it the next day? I don't know. I think it's that day. I mean, it's kind of crazy they're going against college football for this big Paris card, but hey, I mean, you don't want to fight at 3 a.m. or whatever. No. Whatever time the UK area, or Europe area. Look, they're going to go against college so football throughout the fall they can't really avoid it they could fight on wednesday (laughs) well there's that too (laughs) all right that does it hope you enjoyed past judgment we'll be back again on monday to break down ufc paris get you some contested rounds for that one we'll go back to the of course 
natural ABC scoring for that one. Yes. Hope you guys enjoy when we do this. It's, it's fun. You know, we're just having fun. Here, yeah, it's right? a little different. So thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your uh, week. Have a good night. <laughs>